Oh boy. It's all it's been too long. I don't think you and I have done this, James Palmer of the NFL Network. I don't think you and I have done this since COVID. That's inexcusable. So first of uh, all, welcome. It's good to see you. Inexcusable on your part, Drew. Yes, it is. I it can't is. invite myself on this. <laughs> no, uh, I'm so taking the blame. It's on, it's on me. It's not you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's great to see you. You're the perfect guy to Everybody. talk to anytime, really, but especially now because you've got a couple of degrees from Ohio State. You work in the NFL. Yeah, you're pointing. There you go. And you have been bird dogging this stuff all along, not just this year, but for years now. And for folks that don't know, James also worked here in Houston about a decade ago, did a great job on a great place that business wise had some thing. But yeah, the content, the product was phenomenal. I stand by the content. I do too. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And I wish it would something like that would come back. But anyways, CJ Stroud is a Houston Texan. And in the run-up to the draft, the weeks leading up to the draft, we heard lots of stuff about different options. But really, wasn't it all along kind of an Occam's razor type of thing? The simplest and smartest and most logical choice was the right one. If Bryce Young is gone, you take the other great quarterback at two. Is that kind of ultimately what we saw? Yeah, it is. It is, Drew. Like, I I understand Anthony Richardson. I understand the allure of Anthony Richardson. I understand the love that he was getting in the draft process uh, because the ceiling and the capability of possibly getting up there is is astronomical. Like, I remember talking to guys and and coaches that were on the field at the Combine that had never seen him up close before, and they were like, it's like a Greek god. Like, this is like... This is unreal. And actually, one of them made the comparison to CJ. And they were like, CJ is not a small dude by any means. And like Anthony Richardson is this thing out there physically that's just remarkable. But when you really looked at it, you were like, and everybody I talked to around the league was like, it was Bryce and CJ, a gap. And then the other three and however a team had them. Some teams like Hendon Hooker, honestly, they did. Levis or or Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson kind of in in teams' minds, even though there's such a small sample size, kept climbing just because of the the possibility. I think the first two checked just so many boxes. It did seem like the logical thing to do with where Houston was, the amount of capital they had. And I honestly think, you know, there's a lot of talk about Bryce Young and the situation he's walking into, and it's a pretty good situation to you. I think CJ Stroud's walking into a pretty good situation. Like, how often do you be a top of the, the draft type pick and have your tackles in place, a really good run game? Um, I will see how the interior of the offensive line kind of comes together because, you know, D'Amico and Nick have, have done some things to shape, shape that yep. up a little bit, but it's, it's actually not a terrible situation. And I think people were almost just overthinking it, I think. And yeah. I think what happens in this process is it's very long. <laughs> we talk about it every day and zero information was coming out of the Texans building. So what happens? Everybody's mind just starts going and maybe we all left the logical uh, best answer out, which was CJ Stroud's a really good quarterback and the Texans need a really good quarterback. And that, that ended up being the play all along. Yeah. And you watch every Buckeyes game, I know, but I just yeah. can't get past the accuracy over the years, the high, high, high completion percentage, the number of touchdowns in his two years versus the number of interceptions. Yes. There have been guys who have not been very, very accurate in college statistically speaking, who have gotten better. But they're very, very rare. It's so rare. Whereas you don't have, I mean, he might be one of the most accurate college quarterbacks of all time, considering Mm -hmm. how much he had to throw, the stress and the situations he was in, and so on and so forth. So with that in mind, 
What do you think, how do you think he marries with the Bobby Slowick uh, offense? He's the new offensive coordinator, obviously, but he's from that Kubiak Shanahan tree. It seems like a very, you, you talk about fits and situations to walk into with that regard. Mm-hmm. How much yeah. of a nice marriage might that be? I think it's, I think it's a good marriage because of his footwork. I really yeah. do. And it's, it's something that, I mean, I, I did his pro day at Ohio state and I remember Steve Smith and I colleagues and my good buddies are, are standing there. And I have, if you want to watch, you know, quarterbacks and receivers work out at a pro day, I'm, I'm going to stand next to Steve and he's going right. to tell me what's going on. He's telling me everything about Jackson Smith and Jigba. We were in awe over Marvin Harrison jr. Yeah. Uh, who's going to probably be a top five pick next year and the number one receiver, you know, in the draft. But he was just talking about CJ throwing the ball, and it was just like, just look at how he layers the ball. Look at how every ball is thrown in the spot, as you mentioned, the accuracy, to make a play with it. And and that was a big part of Ohio State's offense, too, is the run after the catch, a lot of this crossing stuff. A lot of these big plays happen because guys are catching in stride the way CJ operates. But the accuracy plays a part, and kind of Ryan Day kind of told me this a little bit, is like he, he plays the position with his eyes, his arm, and his feet in unison. And I think that's a huge aspect that when I talk to evaluators, like isn't really that common in college quarterbacks. Because A, they usually have a, just a lot of talent. A lot and they of can pro kind of ones do. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll try to be nice, you know, guys, <laughs> these guys coming out. Uh, yeah, but it still struggles in the pros. But the, the way that he goes about it, some teams were in that I talked to were in love with the way it's like I go I go through my progressions with my eyes, my arm, and my feet all in unison, and I'm on a platform to throw immediately. And that's the way this offense is going to kind of work, the way he goes through it. And that's a strength of his that not a lot of guys in the in, in this draft or or previous drafts really have had all three of those marry together so well. And I think that plays a part. You know, it's funny, like some people I talk to, that obviously the Kubiak system is spread everywhere uh, around the league. But guys that really believe in it, that are like, you know, scouts or evaluators I talk to, they're like, he's a perfect like fit for this type of system. He's almost an old school quarterback. Like that's the way he was kind of described. Like maybe some people kind of have forgotten. They get wowed by, and I understand it, Mahomes and, Josh Allen and and Lamar Jackson and all these guys that do these things outside the pocket and create everything. They're like, he's a pure old school West coast offense pocket passer. And and that's no knock on him. They said in the process, they're like, we just don't see that. And a guy be very good at it uh, very often. Yeah. And he could, he could do all those things. And, like we he saw against Georgia, he could, he could still run, too. Like, if he, he needs just, to run, he's going to be he all right. He just never had to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, and, and it's funny, like, a lot of, a lot of discussion uh, around the league a little bit was like, you know, you always put into the, the program that a guy's coming out of into the equation. I mean, it, I'm a Buckeye, so I can say it. Like, it, it, they have an advantage. There's usually a talent that they have better yeah. than, than their opponent. They manipulate the system with the hash marks and the way it works. Like, but they're saying, like, you can't knock the kid. <laughs> Like for the system he's playing in, it's smart of Ohio state to win games that way. Um, And I think just, he didn't have to run because he, he knew his, he knew his options after his first two. And that's usually where he was going to go with the football as opposed to go out there and uh, put the football sometimes in danger when you go out and try to create too much. So the bona fides, you know, he's got them on the field. I was really struck in the, the, the press conference where he arrived in Houston with Will Anderson a lot of impressive stuff was said by both those guys, but yeah. one thing that really stood out to me, he kind of casually was joking how LeBron James is the leader of Ohio, and then it's the Ohio State quarterback. There's stuff that he's had to deal with, and not deal with, but yes, deal with, deal through, talk with, just 
he's seen so many things in that position that mm, most of us have never will never seen or never will. Can you speak to that and his leadership and how he gets along with others, both on the team, out in the community, all that? Because that's that's a rare position in which he's been, and now he's going to lead a locker room and maybe even more. Yeah, Drew, you got to remember, like college football, there's no rules on like how often you have to talk to the media or how yeah. often you're out there. There's teams that hide guys like crazy. Jalen Carter just went to Philly at the ninth overall. When he met with the Philly media, that was his third press conference of his career ever. Like he, he just never talked to anybody. It's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so like that wasn't CJ's experience. He was out in front, the face of the franchise as like I mentioned him once, Ryan Day and I talked for a while at the pro day. He was like, he, he was, he was the face of a, of a fortune 500 company. Like yeah. he's, you know, you're the most popular person in the state. Everybody knows you go back and look at how his career started at Ohio state and the way that first game went and how he was destroyed by fans and by the media and how he was just absolutely torn to shreds and it didn't really phase him like he came back and he and he came and he bounced back go watch his press conference after his loss to michigan this past year it's phenomenal it's yeah. it's fantastic because i mean the guy lost to michigan twice he's probably the greatest quarterback to ever come out of ohio state prospect like just in terms of their career there and, and, he, and he lost to michigan his last two years like uh, that 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 paid a price that that, that that sat with him and yeah. you can see though how mature and how professional he was in that press conference after that game against Michigan and I think that his experience at Ohio State maybe in all honesty this pains me to say some of the lack of success in those games I think has benefited him as as a player uh, and as a person off the field, but as a like you mentioned that press conference, like you also saw a little bit of his competitive side there, didn't you? Like, sure. You saw how competitive he is in some of his meetings with teams. They really loved how he had some edge to him, like he had some real competitiveness to him. I remember standing in the middle of the field at the Ohio State Pro Day, and he like him and Josh McCown are talking about basketball. And he's like, and he, Josh was like, when you come, you know, out to Charlotte, we'll, we'll, we'll hoop it up. And when he's like, he's, he's like, there's a court right here. Like, let's right. go, let's play right here. Like he, he wants to compete in everything. I think his, his ability to lead a franchise as Ryan Day put it to me, he already did it. And so I think he's in a very good spot from what he's learned to now step in and do it again. Cause he did it. That's a, that's a, that's a, I don't want to say pro program, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Uh, just point of clarification, I'm about a year or two ahead of Josh McCown. I went to SMU. He started out at SMU before transferring to Sam Houston State. He's a jungle cat, and he would probably he would probably <laughs> beat C.J. Stroud on the basketball court. He can do like – I heard he can hoop like big He's time. Amazing. He's amazing, yeah. like 360 and everything. That, that's just talking about his basketball skills. Nothing else, nothing else. So uh, <laughs> the trade to get Will Anderson – you're not able, you're probably not able to pull, you're able to pull it off if you're picking first, but you're paying a whole hell of a lot more if that's the case. So this is kind of one of those reminders, I think, of why you play to win, why there's no such thing as tanking or should should be such thing as tanking in the NFL. So for all this moaning about why the Texans beat the Colts at the end of the season, well, I think we saw a little bit, now that's not the end game and that's not what, you know, but I think things kind of work out. And I think this is going to work out in the Texans' favor. And so if there's football gods, I think they smiled upon the Texans for trying to win. And this is the reward.
Am I taking this too far? Like Probably that. so, but you know, that's no, what I'm doing. I like that. Yeah. That helps Drew's head hit the pillow at night that he's just the way he takes it. But listen, like, and you're right. And I think something people should remember, like, I've talked to coach about this all the time. Like you can turn things around very quickly in the NFL. The parity yeah. in the league is remarkable. And the number of teams that make the playoffs that didn't the year before and that didn't and don't like it's it's back and forth every year. And if a couple of things go well, you can turn things around very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, three was up for sale uh, big time. There was a couple of teams that were really interested to get to three and had trades in place. If, the Texans didn't take CJ Stroud that they were yeah, going to try to take Anderson and get him. first. If they take Anderson first, the there's price no CJ. for three is, I mean, unlimited. It's going to keep going up. And because you yeah. think about it, you're now competing. If you go Will Anderson first, you're now yeah. competing with everybody else who wants the same thing you do. And it's a quarterback. And, mm -hmm. the, and the Cardinals are going to sit there going, like, all right, how do we jack this price up? And they need a lot. Uh, in terms of turning things around. I know people can turn them around quickly. I don't think the Cardinals are turning things around all that quickly this upcoming year. But so they needed a lot. And so um, I, I think the way they played it, you give up a lot. But the way it was played to me, and I said this on NFL Network and like in the week leading into the draft. And it was funny because we had leading into me on TV, we had like this whole thing of all of our mock drafts. Yeah. And not a single one of them had Will Anderson to the Texans at two. Like mm -hmm. not a one. It was like Tyree Wilson or, you know, obviously a couple said CJ and like, and I was like, how is this not something that people are putting together that there would be interested in Will Anderson? Now, I guess some people think there's a ceiling uh, in terms of, and this happens sometimes with players, like, especially out of like Alabama, like he's gotten a lot out of himself with a great work ethic and great coaches. Uh, sure. How much better can he get? But it was put to me by actually people not with the Texans, like, this would be D'Amico Ryan's drafting D'Amico Ryan's. Like, mm -hmm. that's the type of per layer you're getting off the field in your locker room. You are now, like, like to me, it almost made too much sense if D'Amico wants to come in and change the culture and wants to have things going in a direction that he sees, his vision for, for the way that locker room is going to work. Like, Will Anderson's a slam dunk. Like, one scout put it to me. He was like, this is a generational human being. Yeah. Like, that's about as good of a compliment. I hope somebody says something like that about me someday. Like, I, I don't think they will. I'm already this far on. I'm mean, 40, so I don't think that's happening now. Maybe you can say that at some point, like just squeeze it into this. But like, okay. that's as good as a compliment as you can give somebody. Yeah. Like, he is going to just run that defense. You're never going to have to worry about the effort on defense. You're never going to have to worry about an issue that happens during the week or within a game or at halftime that he, will, that he won't be able to clean up. He's D'Amico, and you were, yeah. I think you were there, right, when D'Amico was you, there? You really, yeah, you set that up nicely because, I mean, of all the leaders as players that the Texans have had, and this includes quarterbacks, D'Amico stands above the rest. He's the best oh, big time. leader as a player that the Texans have ever had. It's not a knock on the quarterbacks. That's just how powerful, how important he was. And Do you have an instance, Drew, that you remember? Because I, I got to Houston in that locker room every day right after he left, yeah. right? And I've never heard in any locker room guys still talk about a guy that was gone, like as oh, often yeah. as those guys did. It was like, if, it wasn't about like, you know, he would have made this tackle or whatever. It was like, no, this no, no. wouldn't happen if D'Amico was here, or we would have fixed this quicker if D'Amico was here. Do you have an instance? Yeah, you, you got remember? a few. I mean, look at 2009, Brian Cushing comes in. He's a first round pick. He's the rookie mm -hmm. of the year defensively. He's phenomenal. He talked all the time. Then, since, now how important D'Amico Ryans was to his development and, and what he meant. 
So mm-hmm. 2009, Texans go nine and seven, first winning season they'd ever had. High, high expectations the next year. 2010 starts off. They go to four and two, five and three. I might be off by a gamer there or so there. D'Amico mm-hmm. Ryans has the leg injury and Texans win maybe two games the rest of the way. And they have a losing season, a six and 10 season. He comes back. JJ's added to the mix. Jonathan Joseph, Daniel Manning, the next year they go to the playoffs. And the, 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 the hopes for the Texans as a franchise, they're kind of at their Zenith there, that 2012 off season. And then he gets traded. And a, a very interesting kind of side note to that was Antonio Smith, the ninja and Connor Barwin were out on the NFL network because there was a nightly show that they had at the time where you'd have a player or two coming on and they'd have news of the day, they'd chit chat and they were having a good time on the show. And the news broke during that show that D'Amico Ryan's got traded. It looked like they'd both been shot. I mean, they really color drained from their face, like live reaction. Hey, what, what do you think about your captain getting traded? And it was, yeah, you know, it, it, it took a toll. And to take it a little, a little further to answer your question, what happened the next year? Texans start out 11 and 1, mm-hmm. but then they go to New England. And I was there. So much, so much is made of the Letterman jackets. But you mm-hmm. know what happened? The Texans had lost Cushing in week five. Yep. They had Brady James, who was at the end of his career, kind of leading things at linebacker. You had to pull a guy off the street and Barrett Rude, who was a street free agent. He was also kind of end of his career type of guy. Bill Belichick saw that, and I think he he went through his checklist. He said, well, they've got a really good defensive line. They've got a pretty good secondary. And, well, that's uh, good, Drew. The, the linebacker position is uh, susceptible. And what they do? They ran wide receivers and running backs to the linebackers, and they cruised to a victory. It won the Letterman Jackets. It was a pure mismatch that a brilliant coach – Oh, they kept putting the tight ends out wide. Exploited. Yeah. I mean, yep. it was that. So you missed D'Amico Ryans in December, in January, the next year. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could go on and on and on about uh, what he what he meant yeah. as a player. But I, I think like I, I was doing the Chiefs Niners game this past year, and mm-hmm. uh, Andy had D'Amico in Philly, and I think for only a year, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. And he, we, we were talking, and he, I remember him saying like, "Oh, he's he's, he's maybe the smartest player I've ever coached." Like, yep. and without and like. He's been with. He's been in the. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Has been in the game forever. Seen everything. Has coached yeah. a lot of players. Yeah. And to spend that amount of time, that short amount of time with a player, and to yeah. get that that quickly, um, from D'Amico is. I mean, that's kind of all you really need to know because Andy kind of. And it's not even Andy's side of the ball. Um, right. And he spends so much time on the offensive side of the ball. So, like, I do think there's aspects of Will Anderson that probably go beyond yeah. being a really really good football player that if you're trying to turn this thing right now, you got like the face of your franchise on both sides of the ball yeah. with back-to-back picks. I don't, I don't think um, right now the, 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 the entire, um, what could I say? The, the entire, like everything that goes with getting Will Anderson is, is comprehensible yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, kind of let this thing play out to see it but he is potentially like you say a franchise changer for sure okay let's wrap this up i got we've we've been or i've been gushing about these two guys what's the biggest challenge going to be you think initially for cj stroud and then long term what's he got to work on most what's his biggest challenge you think james 
I mean, obviously learning the the position at the NFL level is just a next level type of sure. Um, it, it really is. Um, and I think one of the things he's going to have to deal with, I hinted on it a little bit because it happened in a few games that maybe helped mold him, but like he, he's been very successful. Like he, he really hasn't struggled. Um, he really has been playing with, let's be honest, I, I, this isn't a knock to the Texans. The skill guys he's played with the last two years are better than the skill guys he's played with. He's going to be playing with in Houston. Like right. I, I'm very excited that John Mechie's coming back. Uh, I think that's great. I think Dalton Schultz was a huge, huge move for him right. and for the organization because everybody was like, well, why don't you just get one of these like young tight ends? You know, this is the best tight end class we've seen in a decade. Everybody's saying that. You know how hard it is to learn the tight end position your rookie year? Like it's <laughs> learning three different positions. It's really right. tight end, center, and quarterback are like the hardest positions to learn in your rookie year. So like, how are you relying on a rookie? Now to have a veteran in there, I think is huge for him, but I look at like he was playing with all first round picks like yeah. Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and, you know, Garrett Wilson and all of the Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the, like, he's playing with guys that have ridiculous separation. Um, and that doesn't happen to a lot of guys when they get to the NFL. Um, I think that's something he's going to have to learn and adapt to is, is who he's playing with, obviously, but also it's a new system. It has answers um, I just think obviously everything's a little bit different in the NFL, but I do think like losing is something he's going to have to, I'm not saying the Texans are going to lose, but obviously everybody loses in the NFL. Sure. He's going to yeah. have to, you know, deal with that aspect of, of, of the game. But I do think like he's coming in more polished than almost most quarterbacks that, that come in. I know that's valued by D'Amico. The, 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 the experience is valued by him. Uh, time on task, the success, the leadership, all those things are valued by D'Amico. Him and Bryce had both of those. Um, I think him and Bryce have a couple of the same things they need to figure out. And you got to win over a locker room the right way. That's yeah. another huge part of it. We talked, a, you asked a little bit about his relationships with guys and like, you know, Jackson's one of his best friends and he had a great relationship with Paris and and, and guys on that team. Um, I think you have to come in and do it the right way. And I think that's hard. I think it's really yeah. hard. And guys lead in different ways, um, and I, it's going to be interesting to see how he finds his path to lead. I mean, look at look at Herbert. Like everybody was knocking Justin Herbert coming out. Like the guy's too quiet. He's kind of like a to himself type guy. Well, when you talk to guys in the Chargers locker room, they're like, we just watch him play. We just watch him go yeah. about his business, and that's the way we follow him. CJ is going to find his his way to to lead the locker room, and maybe having Will on one side of it. And maybe that helps a little bit that he's not having to do the entire thing right off the bat. Good stuff. Well, hey, we appreciate the time. It's always good catching up with you, my friend. Hope you you're too, uh, buddy. How's the family? Everybody good? They're great. Yeah. How uh, many more kids do you have now, Drew? We have we 38. So yeah, we have 38. It's a 38, dormitory. Yeah. A dormitory for children. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I own and operate, so it's it's all fun. Hey, uh, before we let you go, it's May the third. Have you? gotten your 2023 base burn in yet uh we are a mile closer to the sun drew okay. so yes i've 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 started a little bit i went and got a haircut the other day and, and <laughs> my barber was like man you got a little little base burn going on back here i said yeah yeah who knows about the base burn yeah base burn is basically when it's like the first sunburn you get of the uh season it's yeah. like people say you get a what is it base tan or whatever, but yeah, for pale folks burn. like me, I get a base burn. Yeah, yeah. so this is great for the health of people. Yeah, wear your sunscreen, people. Don't get a base burn. Gee yeah. whiz.
James Palmer, NFL Network. Always great to talk with you, my friend. Really appreciate it tonight and can't wait to see you again soon. You too, pal. I'm coming down. Don't you worry.